Hello, bitch, and welcome to my podcast. My name is Katie, and welcome back to another episode. Now, what we're talking about today is toxic friendships, because toxic relationships just don't apply to romantic partners. For some of us, friendships with people can turn out to be just as abusive and damaging, and this is my take on it. Toxic friends are not worth your time. They sap your strength, they are energetically draining, and you need to cut that dead weight, drop them. And I mean, don't burn bridges, that's not what I'm saying, but know your boundaries and know your value in a friendship. Now, I've had a lot of friends in my lifetime. Um, The issue with me is that I'm extremely extroverted, so I'm really friendly and open and trusting with anyone from the get-go. And I started working in hospitality when I was 19. I used to um, be a promoter at Marquee, and then I used to work at Maryvale for a really long time and being in the hospitality industry and especially with these huge companies and having the personality that I have I've honestly befriended hundreds of people at all different times in my life and for me I mean I have zero screening process when it comes to meeting people if you couldn't tell I let anyone into my space because I've always thought the more the merrier let's all just be friends and I don't think that's a bad approach to have but the issue that I faced in being like this is that I have put a lot of effort into people who are low quality friends and I'm at a point in my life where I've seen a lot of toxic bitches come and go. From what I've experienced is that I've unfortunately had a lot of friends leave my life and it was their choice and at the time it was heartbreaking. It was so sad that I would lose a friend and most of the time it was due to a lack of communication on their end so it was very difficult to comprehend when these friendships would fall apart. And so what I've now learned at the grand age of 27 is that if anyone, whether it's a friend or a romantic partner, wants to walk out of your life, let them walk out. And that is the message for today's podcast. So let's get into it. So I'm going to start off by saying that having friendships is fundamental in life. Um, Human connection is pretty much ingrained in what makes us human. So that's why it's vital to make sure that you are surrounded by the right people who are truly good for you. And you need to make sure that you have quality people in your life that add to your happiness and positive well-being. And you need to stop making the mistake that I was making in having lifetime expectations for low quality people. So you should never really be satisfied that a friendship or a relationship is over because if they've chosen to walk out on you a lot of these relationships and friendships were likely full of drama and so you need to let them go and celebrate it's a celebration that these people are out of your circle because something that you will notice and this is what I noticed is that your energy will be so much cleaner for it because these people were toxic for you I'm at a place where I have no head noise um the only head noise I have is like what am I gonna have for dinner that's like the question of the day. It's like, am I going to really make pesto pasta again, Katie? And I'll have to like consult all my friends on like what to cook. That's my only head noise. I have no boy drama. I know. Fucking miracle. <laughs> um, I have no boy admin and I have no friendship drama. Zero. And you're probably thinking, how did I arrive at this point? Now, this is my approach. Okay. So if someone wants to go, I let them go. And I don't let them come back. Um, I've taken a strong stance in not giving out second chances because I had to learn my lesson the hard way with both friendships and romantic partners where I gave out second chances to people that did not deserve them, that people that didn't treat me well. And by giving them a second chance fucked me over each time because I used to be a huge believer 
in Second Chances. I was like a little activist for it. I really believed that people could change and I always saw the potential and the good in people. But I think once someone shows you the knife and shows you who they are, it's a big red flag and you need to automatically change that expectation that they are here for a lifetime because they are not. And that's not to say that people can't change. I'm still a believer in people changing, but it's only when they want to. So for me, I know I've changed a lot over the last couple of years, especially in the last few months as well. Um, but it comes from within. And I feel like for the most part, a lot of people don't want to. They're really content being toxic and having their own toxic little world. So we just have to wish them good luck. And another point that I also like to make is that I now know how to handle conflict better. So instead of adding fuel to the fire and expressing my hurt and trying to get a one-up on someone to make a point, I just silently establish a boundary. So if I can see that a friend maybe doesn't value our friendship the same way that I valued the friendship, I don't take it personally like I used to. I just put myself first, stop making that effort that I was making and just be content with where we stand. It's like, okay, so we're not best friends, shocker. I just feel like with every close friend, I'm like, okay, we're best friends, (laughs) but maybe we're just not all best friends and that's okay. So what you need to understand, and because this is what I've learned, is that you need to figure out what they bring to the table and set your boundaries. So let's look at what makes a friendship toxic because we are all well-versed in toxic relationships, but I can guarantee that you probably have friends in your life right now that are toxic for you. So let's go. Toxic bitches, what are they about? So the first thing, everything is about them. So I'm very experienced on this one. Um, They won't care about what's happening in your life. It's always about them talking about themselves and what's happening in their life. And they'll never ask you, how are you going? What's new with you? They're just super self-centered and selfish. And you can forget about coming to them with your problems. So for example, I had this friend and she only wanted to see the happy Katie. She only wanted to see the party Katie, the good Katie. And if I ever want to tell her something real, whether it was something that was negative going on in my life or something I was really worried about, she wouldn't care. She just didn't want to hear it. She would dismiss it. And I mean, that's just not a healthy friendship. You should be able to open up to all of your friends and tell them that sometimes you're just not okay. I mean, we don't have to be okay all of the time and constantly having to put on a front and act as if you're happy and there's no worries in the world. I mean, it's just not healthy. Another thing that toxic friends do is that you'll feel as if they constantly put you down. So they'll rarely compliment you or acknowledge your achievements. And this is what we call a frenemy. So a frenemy is essentially someone who's quite jealous of you and they want to compete with you. So they'll never say anything to uplift you because they're jealous that your life maybe looks better than theirs. And this is really common with girls. A third thing with a toxic friend is that it's one-sided. So I have a lot of experience in this one too. Um, So when I say that, they pretty much call the shots. So you feel as if your opinions and your interests just aren't as important as theirs and they pretty much dictate the friendship and you become very submissive. So the same friend that I mentioned before, she took full control of our friendship. So if we went to dinner, I couldn't even order my own meal because she'd say, no, 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 we're sharing Katie. And I'd say, okay, sounds good. And then we'd look at the menu together and I'd pick out something like, oh, the Boscoola looks good. And she'd say, no, we're getting the gnocchi. And I'd say, okay, sounds good. (laughs) So (laughs) I know that sounds really basic, but even in the small details, she would control everything we did. Anywhere we went, 
anything that we got up to, it was just like, I couldn't have my own voice because if I wanted to do something different, it will cause a problem. So you just naturally learn to be submissive. Another toxic trait is that some friends cross your boundaries. So they may act or say things that completely overstep your boundaries and encroach on your space. And this impacts your happiness in the friendship. So this is why boundaries and putting yourself first is so important. And the last toxic trait that I'll be listing today is keeping score. So some friends hold things against you and then use it against you down the track. So it's like they hold on to a grudge and don't let it go and they'll bring it up later and they'll say, well, remember when you did this to me? Or remember when I helped you out of this situation, you owe me. So essentially anything from the past is used against you, even though you've totally made up by this point and you've moved past it, they'll throw it in your face later. So now we are going to be getting into the epitome of story time. So we're going to be starting out with, we're going to call her Beverly. Okay. So this is the story of Beverly. Now, Beverly and I met years ago when I used to work at Marquee and she would come in wanting free entry, free drinks. And a lot of girls did this because they naturally gravitated towards me, especially in the promoter kind of sphere. A lot of them are male and some of them are just sleazy as fuck. So a lot of girls liked coming to me as a promoter. And so Beverly and I met that way and we instantly became friends. We hit it off from the beginning. We were both single at the time and our friendship progressed very quickly to becoming besties and we did any everything together so we did the bay run we went to dinner we went to the movies we spoke every single day and just your typical best friend shit and we got along because we had really similar personalities we're both really strong-minded females and we're brutally honest but I feel like she's just always been the more amplified version of me because I still have compassion for people she just doesn't care if she hurts your feelings and so the issue with Beverly is that she's extremely blunt to the point where she's just downright rude and you never really want to be on the receiving end so when she would insult people in public I'd kind of laugh because it's like oh that's just Beverly but I would never want to cop it myself. Beverly had zero filter she was very critical of appearances and also sometimes she'd be critical on you so she would comment on how you dressed or what you liked and what you were into your interests um, your career the boys you were into I mean she hated every single one of my boyfriends hated them um she was just one of those friends where you just had to go along with anything she wanted and she's just like she was that bossy friend I mentioned earlier where I couldn't pick what I wanted to eat and I'd be like yep sounds good order whatever but I mean she just hated every single man that I was interested in I remember my second boyfriend she yelled at him in public at Marco Polo dead ass calling him a loser telling him to sit the fuck down and that he looks like he's someone from one direction which I mean at the time, I mean, maybe his haircut did. The comments she made was so insulting if you were copying it. And even with my recent ex, she fucking despised him. And I mean, she probably has a good reason because he turned out to be a full-on narcissist. I'll just tell you what happened. So Beverly and I, we traveled to Europe. So the first time I ever went to Europe in 2018, we went together. And this was when my ex-narc and I were in our very early stages of dating. We weren't official yet, but we were very like interested in each other. And so when Beverly and I were in I Ibiza we checked into our hotel and we walk into the hotel and there are these balloons and flowers sitting at the kitchen table and I go up to them and I'm like what like what is all this is this from the hotel I was a little bit confused and I read the card and it was from my ex-narc who was the guy I was you know seeing at the time she went off at me 
she was so pissed off that I got sent flowers and she was like, you've just ruined the trip, Katie. And I just couldn't comprehend how me being sent flowers could ever be my fault. Like I didn't send them to myself and it pissed her off because she felt that it meant that I was no longer single and it ruined the trip for us. I remember at the time I felt so sad because I was totally robbed of this moment, like this happy moment because it's such a big gesture to actually get flowers sent overseas and you have that surprise in a hotel room, but she just wasn't happy for me. So I felt really robbed. I felt not supported. And instead she was really pissed off at me. She said she didn't want the flowers in the room she wanted to throw them in the bin and I had to get them out of her way basically so it was really sad I couldn't display them I remember I put them in water and I put them on the floor of the corner of the lounge room and I took a photo of them and I just felt so sad I couldn't put them on display because you know you want to be excited about it and you want your friend to get excited with you but she just fucking hated it the friendship with Beverly was also extremely one-sided so I remember I was always the one picking her up and driving her. And heaven forbid, if I ever asked her to return the favor and be designated driver at least once. She was so incredibly bossy. I remember I always felt so submissive in the friendship and I couldn't really speak up. And she would always tell me what to do, where to go. And if I wanted to do something, we would always end up doing what she wanted to do instead. And so she would message me and she'd be like, okay, we're going to the beach today. And then she would choose the beach location, which which would be like an hour drive away. And she'd be like, see you at my house at eight. I'd be like, fuck. So my friendship with Beverly was never healthy. Um, We were friends at first for about a year. And then we had a fight over my second boyfriend, you know, the one she ordered at Marco Polo. And she basically said, if I dated him, I couldn't be her friend. So she gave me this ultimatum where I had to choose her or this guy that I was into. And I'd said to her, I said, you can't put ultimatums on friends. That's bullshit. And it shouldn't really matter who I date. You should just be supportive. So I I stood up for myself at that point. And then she cut me off after that. So because, because I said, you can't put ultimatums on friends. She didn't want to be my friend. And it wasn't until me and this guy broke up after about three years, she then came back into my life and she wanted to be my friend again. And she's like, I knew Katie, like we couldn't work on our friendship as long as he was in the picture, but now he's no longer here. So we can be friends again. And I was like, rightio. So then the second time round, this is pretty much how our friendship played out. So when we became friends again, we quickly became best friends and she was like let's go to Europe and I was a bit hesitant because I knew that we hadn't been friends for that long but I had known her for years and I was like cool sounds good let's go now I'm going to get into a gem of a story with Beverly this is pretty much the highlight because it really shows the toxic nature of the friendship so her and I traveled to Europe Um, we went to Ibiza so this just tells you what type of girl she is so she only wanted to buy one drink when we'd go out one glass of wine it was insane to me because she would want to try to get on tables and find guys to buy her drinks and I'm not gonna lie and say that I'm a saint I've been on plenty of tables in my lifetime I mean I worked at Marquis for five years do you think I ever bought a drink there no so I I've I've lived that life been there done that but when I went to Europe I just wasn't in that same mind frame I had saved so much money to be there and if I wanted to party and get drunk I was gonna do that regardless if there was a table there full of guys. Now we were at the nightclub Ushuaia and side note, we actually saw Kygo that night and 
my god my heart <laughs> it was the best night of my freaking life anyway when we were there we met up with one of my friends um we're gonna call her amanda so amanda is such a little party girl she's a good vibe so beverly amanda and i were having a really good time but beverly was just a freaking buzzkill and she just kept wanting to go on a table and it was like her mission her sole purpose for the evening and i just wanted to sing my heart out to stargazing okay that's what i wanted to do and that was just the vibe so beverly met a guy And Amanda and I were like, thank God for that. He can babysit her. Let's go. So Amanda and I ran off. We had the best night of our lives. So Beverly had met this guy and I didn't really mind at the time, especially in Ibiza. It worked out fine, but it wasn't until we left Ibiza. We then went to Milan and when we were leaving to go from Milan to Rome, she just sprung it on me that the guy that she met from Ibiza was now meeting her in Rome. And I was a bit disappointed because I thought, hey, you've only known this guy for five minutes. Like, what the hell? And also, Rome was going to be a really big part of the trip. You know, it's so full of amazing places. And it was a place that I was really looking forward to because I'm really big on history and religion. I was so excited to do everything. Um, I mean, I did the Vatican, side note. I did the Vatican and it's the most beautiful place I've ever been. If you haven't been, you need to experience it. The Sistine Chapel is beautiful. It's like art and history and culture and religion all in one place. And I love it. Anyway, I digress. So um, I was really eager for Rome and the first couple of days were great. We saw the Trevi Fountain, Spanish Steps, Colosseum. We did the Vatican. And then on about day three, she's like, um, he's here now. I'm going to go by. I'm going to spend the afternoon with him. And I was like, okay, uh, all good. And I couldn't really do anything about it. So I remember I spent the afternoon at the hotel and I was a little bit cut, but I thought it's okay. It's only an afternoon and I'm pretty, I'm pretty tired anyway. So it'll be a good chance for me to rest. And so I was in the hotel room resting, anticipating her to come back. And I get a text message from her and she says, I'm not coming back to have dinner with you. I'm staying out with this guy. And that's when I started to get a little bit more upset. I wasn't comfortable enough to go out on my own and take myself out to dinner because I was in a foreign country and I'm female on my own. I just didn't feel comfortable. So I spent that night repacking and reorganizing my bag. So the next morning we were talking and she's like, okay, so I'm going to do a spa day with him today. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what, bitch? Are you kidding? You're leaving me again. And I was getting really pissed off at this point because she was ditching me again for this guy that she had never met before, that she likely would never see again. And she's ruining our friendship over this guy. And I said to her, no, we've got plans today. Weren't we going to do Palatine Hill and Roman Forum? And she was like, no, no, I don't want to do those things. I'd much rather do a spa day. You can do those things though. And so I thought, look, I'm not going to spend the same day that I did yesterday and not doing anything. I want to see these places. I'll just do it on my own. So I ventured out on my own, being very independent minded, pushing myself out of my comfort zone with my little backpack on. I was following Google Maps and I spent the whole day doing everything on my own. So I did Roman Forum first. I took so many photos. I was Instagramming. um, And then I did Palatine Hill, which is such a big freaking place. And I remember I had this determination to go to this spot, which had a really breathtaking view of the Coliseum. So when I got there, I was so happy. And then all of a sudden, a thunderstorm came out of fucking nowhere. It was bucketing down. I remember when it first started raining, I quickly ran under these really big trees and then the rain just got heavier and heavier and heavier and it started to come through the trees. So I'm like, oh my God, shit, I have to go find shelter somewhere. And I saw this bathroom really far away and I just like bolted to this bathroom and I open up this door and there's just 12 people standing in there. 
and we're all just looking at each other and I'm like, hey, what's up? And I felt so claustrophobic in there. It was so humid inside this bathroom and I was there for almost an hour and the rain was just not stopping. And then it started to slow down a little bit and someone had opened up the bathroom door and I saw the rain outside and it didn't look that bad. And I thought, I'm going to make a run for it. Okay, I'm going to do this. So I just started to run. I was running down this really big dirt hill and I had sandals on by the way and my feet were so wet and slippery and dirty and I'm just like freaking out. You know when you have this anxiety when your feet are slipping in your sandals and you just don't want to break your sandals and like fall over? Well that's what I was dealing with while I was running through the rain. So I'm running down this really big hill, running down all of Palantine, the whole area and then I'm trying to find this exit and it's raining all over me. I can't even explain the rain. It was torrential. And so I see these people huddling nearby one of the exits and they're just all cramped underneath this thin little archway together. And there's this security guard. And I said, hey, where's the taxis? And they're like, okay, so if you want the taxis, you have to go outside of here, around the corner, on the right, up the road. And I'm like, oh my God, no, like the hotel's probably a lot closer. I decided that I was just going to walk back to the hotel room and I was just getting... I was completely drenched at this point. I remember my hair was soaking wet. My clothes were so heavy on me and I, all I wanted to do was have a shower. So I got back to the hotel. I was feeling and looking like a drowned rat and I was really fucking pissed off at this point. So I go up to the room. Beverly's just sitting on the bed with her freaking freshly blow-dried hair and I just like bullseye straight to the bathroom and I just went and had a shower. So when I got out of the shower, Beverly was gone. She sent me a message and she had said, I'm going out with the guy for dinner and I just thought she's left me again like this is insane so I just had to pick myself back up not feel sorry for myself and just be determined to still have this solo day so I remember I was facetiming my ex narc he told me to go to this Italian restaurant um, and it was actually really good and then I was also facetiming my sister and she was like Katie you need to get over it you can't be angry about it because if you spend your time with her angry you're going to have a horrible trip and so for the sake of the trip you just need to move past it and forget about it so that's what I did and her and I had a conversation the following morning and I said look it's okay I forgive you it's fine if you wanted to hang out with this guy and she's like well his friend is now in Rome tonight we can all go out to dinner and have a double date so I went along with the double date I hated every second of it but her and I were all okay but it wasn't until we got to Mykonos that all she wanted to do was meet up with another guy and this guy was her sugar daddy so I know the friends I attract so she just wanted to meet up with this guy and hang out at his hotel pool because he would be the one picking up the bill for her drinks and her food and I just didn't get it I mean we were in Mykonos there are so many day clubs where there's such a good atmosphere there's good music you can get nice cocktails I didn't want to spend all of my days hanging out with some old man at his pool. I didn't want to do that. So I decided that I was going to venture out on my own without her. So I was messaging this guy. Okay, so this is another story. And oh my God, my trip in Mykonos, it's just crazy. So I was messaging this guy who I knew from Sydney and he was finishing up his part of the trip at Mykonos and I was just kind of starting so we decided to meet up and he was the type of guy who kind of had the same level as party as me so he was just wanting to have a good time and so was I so we met up we went to Carvo and look it was good at first but he just kept hitting on me and it was aggressively hitting on me he kept trying to dance on me grind on my back keep pulling me towards his face like it was so obvious how interested he was in me but I just I didn't feel the same I mean I liked my ex-narc at the time I just didn't want to 
get with this guy. So I remember we were walking through the crowd. He was always holding my hand. And I felt really uncomfortable. And then he was just dancing my back at one point. So I remember I walked down these stairs to get onto the dance floor at Carvo. And I was facing him. And he started to come down the stairs. I was like, no, no, no. You stop. You stand right there. And I'm going to dance here. And I just was like, no, I want to have so much room to dance. <laughs> I was just trying to make up shit. And then um, he was like, come on, come on. Let's go get a drink. So we go up to the bar to get a drink. And he leans in to kiss me. And I literally turned my head away. And it was so obvious. And he was so cut. He, the look on his face, he looked so disappointed and just pissed off. And then so we were just kind of like writing each other messages because the music was so loud. And I was like, I hope you're not upset. Like, don't get mad at me. And he's like, what do you mean? Like, I'm disappointed. And then I said, look, I just don't really know you very well. And he goes, well, how about you come back to my hotel and we can smoke pot and I can get to know you better. And I thought, oh my God, I'm not going to get high with this guy and go back to his hotel on my own. That is like 101 unsafety, like danger alert. So I just politely turned him down and I could just tell he was really pissed off with me. And I guess in hindsight, I was flirting with him to get him out. <laughs> so I suppose, you know, I kind of deserved it. But I mean, this was just such a theme that was going on. Anytime I tried to do my own thing, I just kept getting knocked down. So at this point, I gave up on Mykonos being the party part of the trip and just retreated. I spent the rest of Mykonos third wheeling with Beverly and her sugar daddy, and it was pretty shit. And look, I've been to Europe twice now, and we both know, <laughs> we all know how how the other time went with my ex narc so I'm hoping the third time is the charm and I'll be able to report a really nice <laughs> Europe story one day so when Beverly and I got back to Sydney from our Europe trip, she hit me up for $100 one night and I had owed her some money from the Codabark hire. And so I said, yep, all good. I'll transfer it. Now I forgot. Okay. I forgot to transfer the $100. So the next morning she hits me up and she's like, Hey, where's my money? And I said, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'll transfer it right now. And I transferred it and I sent her a screenshot and she's like, I shouldn't have to ask you more than once, Katie. And I said, but what's your problem? It's transferred. Calm down. And she's like, don't fucking tell me to calm down. I said, stop acting so hard up for money. It's a joke. And I think I had a little bit of resentment because she hardly spent any money in Europe. So, you know, I was giving attitude back. Okay. I was being a bit of a bitch. So I said to her, quit acting homeless. It's not going to break your bank. She did not like that. So what ended up happening? She goes to me, um, don't even bother coming to my dinner on Thursday. You're uninvited. So I was like, relax, calm down. I'm still going to the dinner. Like I want to see all the girls. And she's like, no, you're not coming. Don't come. And I just thought, I'm still fucking going to go. So it came around to Thursday and it was at Oloco. Like there are just some places I just get PTSD with and Oloco is one of them. So I arrive, I go tell the host at the reservations, hey, I'm here for Beverly's booking. And they showed me to the table. I see the sign. It says Beverly 13 packs and I sit down and I sit down facing the entryway and I'm waiting like 10 minutes and I'm thinking, okay, I know I'm early or good. And then I'm, I'm waiting for a bit longer and then it's like 25 minutes at this point and I'm like, I don't think they're coming. So I messaged one of our mutual friends who was going to the dinner. So I messaged her and I said, hey, where is everyone? Everyone, are we still going to our loco? And she's like, no, we actually changed venues because Beverly didn't want you to come. 
And I just thought that's so mean. Like I had been waiting 40 minutes at this point and it was just humiliating. You know, the fact that she went behind my back and made another group chat to make sure that I couldn't attend. Um, it was it was very hurtful. So I knew after that there's really nothing I can do to salvage this friendship at all. You know, I wanted to be the bigger person to go to the dinner and see everyone and, and make sure that her and I were cool. But she had a huge issue with me and she just didn't want to communicate so after her pulling this really bitchy move that was so cruel and calculative and humiliated me by 13 girls standing me up I'm very content in letting this girl go and not having a friendship with her because she is toxic. So Beverly is the perfect example of a toxic and selfish friend. So damaging to the point where you can't even be yourself. You can't even do what you want to do. You can't even stand up for yourself and have a different opinion. I mean, I tolerated the bullshit that she pulled on me in Rome. And if the friendship was going to end, it really should have been over the fact that she left me in a foreign country on my own for three days. You just don't do that to friends. So the lesson that I had learned from Beverly is that I gave her a second chance when I really shouldn't have. I mean, we were once friends before and she walked out on our friendship over a boy and now giving her a second chance, she walked out on our friendship again. So I had to learn the hard way in not giving everyone a second chance. So now this brings me to another story where I was faced with an opportunity to either accept a friend back or not. And I decided not to, I had learned my lesson. So now we are going to get into the story of Bayron Girl. Yes, Bayron Girl, that's going to be her name. So I had this friend for a few years actually, and we had met at the gym and we were quite active and we'd always do the Bay Run together. Now with any one of my friends, we all know the go, okay? We're either meeting at Timbrel Park and we're parking there or we meet at the pool. They're, they're kind of the two starting points that we all like to start at. So Bay Run Girl and I had organized to do the Bay Run. So we were texting and I said, yep, cool, meeting at the same spot. She's like, yep, sounds good, see you tomorrow. So tomorrow comes around and I drive to the Bay, I park at our usual location and I'm messaging her and I'm like, hey, I'm here. And she's like, cool, I'm on my way. So 20 minutes goes by. And I'm like, where is she? So I'm messaging her. I'm like, where are you? And she's like, well, I'm actually walking from my house. Now, backstory, she moved to Roselle, which is one of the neighboring suburbs where the bay goes through because the bay is such a long walk. It does go through Roselle. So she said she's walking from her house. And so I'm there waiting and I'm like, okay, I don't know from what direction she's going from. I couldn't really understand. So I messaged her and I said, maps me your location. And she wasn't messaging back. So I call her and I'm like, hey, where are you? And she's like, oh, I'm on the bay right now. I'm walking past soccer field. So I'm like, which one? Because <laughs> there's a few. And she's like, oh, I don't know which one. And I'm like, okay, uh, is it the one near that outdoor gym, like up the hill towards the pool? And she's like, no. So while I was on the phone to her, I'm like, drop me your pin. Like drop me a pin and I can see where you are and I can drive to you. And she's like, no, it's fine. And like, I'm on the bay. I'm like, just send me your location so I know where you are and I can help you out. And she's like, I don't know how. I don't know how to send you my location. I'm like, well, I've sent you my location. So have a look on the map and then you can tell me where you are. And she's like, I can't see it. And oh my God, it was so frustrating. Like if you're not frustrated and you think this whole thing is dumb, imagine living through it. This was so annoying. So I'm on the phone to her. She hangs up. She's like, I'll see you soon. Like I'll see you soon. So it's now been 40 minutes and now the Bay Run isn't a long walk. So 
by this point, I mean, we could have already been like having breakfast, you know what I mean? Getting freaking a sight fruitologist. But I'm there waiting. I get out of the car and I'm trying to like look for her. And she's like, just start walking, Katie. So she's messaging me. She's like, just start the walk. We'll see each other at some point. And I'm like, but what if we're walking the same way? I'm not going to bump into you. So she's like, okay, I can see the Jamoin Rowing Club. I'm like, so can I. <laughs> like, It was so dumb. So I started to lose my patience. I mean, I had kept my cool for like 40 minutes and it just wasn't happening. I didn't see her. So I was writing messages like, this is annoying. This is frustrating. I wish you told me that you were walking from your house because we would have started together. The whole point of doing the walk was to actually catch up and walk together, not to both be on the bed and texting and so she's like well you don't need to speak to me like that and I'm like I just wish you told me that you were walking from your house it was just a miscommunication but on your end and she's like I'm not going to have you tell me what I'm supposed to do and what I'm not supposed to do and I'm like I'm just saying it's easier (laughs) if you told me where you're coming from because I would have driven to your house and we could have walked together and she just wasn't understanding what I was saying and she was so offended by my messages and I was just trying to communicate like an adult but it wasn't translating to her so she was like well fuck it I'm gonna go home then and I just thought maybe she's not even fucking here hey like I don't even know so I'm like that's fine all good and I just finished the walk on my own and I never saw her so we didn't speak again after that our friendship ended over something so stupid and I remember she was also dating a guy at the time and so I think she didn't really have a problem dropping friends and the only reason why I have this logic is because she recently messaged me on Facebook a few months ago and I mean I defriended her like two years ago so she went out of her way to message me and she writes hey long time no speak And so when I got that message, I stalked her on Instagram. I wanted to see if she was still with her boyfriend and she wasn't. So after seeing that this girl was no longer with her boyfriend, I could see the situation very clearly. This was a girl who was going through a breakup and was trying to cling on to any possible friend as life support. And I mean, I had seen what type of friend she was two, three years ago when she threw away our friendship over something very dumb. I mean, I sent her messages after that day to reconcile and they were never responded to. I saw that she doesn't value me as a friend. And so by getting that message from her, I was just not in a position to be used. So I didn't respond. And I feel so confident and happy with my decision in not responding to her. So why should I give her a second chance when she didn't really care enough to message me back and reconcile the friendship three years ago? So learning from Beverly, I now know not to give out second chances to just anyone. Um, It has to be for a good reason. And maybe if this girl had a more of a heartfelt message and actually was upfront about why she was messaging me and actually needed my help, I would have been there for her. But the whole thing just screamed user and I was smarter this time. And I feel like when it comes to people that walk out of your life, you truly need to shut that door behind them because there's really no room for that drama and for that toxicity. This girl 100% would have probably ended the friendship again at some point because she never valued me as a friend in the first place, just like Beverly. So moving on to our next story, now we'll be talking about Megan. So Megan and my friend, 
friendship started the exact same way as Beverly. So we met at Marquee and instantly became best friends. She wasn't as toxic as Beverly, but she was a massive fucking user. So I used to get drink cards all the time as a promoter and I'll just give them out to all my friends. Sometimes I drink and sometimes I wouldn't. Now with Megan, anytime I was out with her at Marquee, she never wanted to pay for a drink. She'd always ask my drink cards or she would want to be on the table, which was fine. And I remember there was one night in particular where I wasn't drinking and I was just there to get everyone in express entry without paying and so when I was leaving I was just saying goodbye to everyone and she comes up to me and she just puts her hand out and I'm like yeah and she's like can I have them like no please no thank you no manners just putting her hand out like it's expected for me to give her all of my drink cards because I'm leaving which I mean fair enough I'm not using them but just like have some respect to ask me and I know that a lot of us have friends like this where your friendship with them is more of a purpose and it's for their agenda and that they don't really care about you as a friend they just want to use you and I know so many girls who have worked in retail and at Mecca where so many people assume that they can use you and that their staff benefit benefits just automatically apply to them and that they can use it for their friends and their family and their friends of friends. And the reason why these type of friendships are toxic is because people are befriending you in a malice way because their sole purpose is to just use you without any genuine appreciation for your friendship. So my advice to people in these positions where you get access to staff benefits and free drinks or 50% off Mecca, whatever it may be, don't let people cross that line. It's simple because these people don't care about you. They just want to saddle up as your mate temporarily and you actually get hurt in the process because you're investing into people that don't really have good intentions for your friendship. And so this was pretty much the situation with Megan. So back to Megan. Now, the point at which I started to see how toxic of a friend she was was when I was actually saving up to go to America and she had messaged me saying, hey, we're going out to the island this weekend. You're coming. We're getting a table. And I said, look, I really want to come. I'm really keen, but I just don't have three to $400 to spend on bottle service. And she's like, yeah, that's fine. Get a ticket. And I was like, yeah, I'll get a ticket. And then she goes, but that means you can't sit on a table though. And I said, what do you mean? I just won't drink your alcohol if that's what you're worried about. And she's like, well, no, people have paid for those seats, Katie. That's rude. You can't sit on our table. You're going to have to stand at the bar. And she was dead serious. And I thought after all of these years of giving you free entry, walking you in so you never have to wait in line, constantly giving you free drinks, you're going to treat me like that? Telling me to stand at the bar and I can't sit with everyone on the table? That was so rude. I would never say that to someone because if that was me and I constantly got free stuff from my friends, I would never tell her to stand at the bar. Instead, I'd actually be like, If you're saving, don't worry. It's on us. Like, come join. We still want you to come out and have a good time. And I mean, it was just so rude to tell me that I can't sit down on a couch and I have to stand at a bar. So I just remember I told her, don't worry about it. It's all good. I I just won't come. And so it's actually quite funny because a few years later, I was working at the island. Yeah, I feel like I've worked everywhere. So I used to work at the island um, as a bottle service waitress. And she came in, Megan, with all of her friends. And they were at a table and the waitress looking after them brought me over their bottle and she's like Katie can you mind it I'm going to the bathroom and I'm like yeah sure I'll mind it (laughs) and I felt like I was blessed with this opportunity to get back at them somehow in my own little way so I end up pouring about 
I don't know, like a glass full of vodka. And I was like, cheers, bitches. So Megan and my friendship was strained for a really long time. And we only had a falling out when I had a falling out with somebody else. <laughs> I know the list is piling up. That's why we're doing the podcast today. So we're going to call him Kevin. So Kevin was my friend. Megan was my friend. They became friends because of me and I had a falling out with Kevin. So when I had a falling out with Kevin, this is what Megan said to me and it is just mind blowing. So what she had said was, well, Katie, you know how you and Kevin aren't friends anymore. That means you're naturally going to be phased out of the group. That's what she said, that I was going to be phased out of the group because I was no longer friends with Kevin. And I remember I distinctively asked her, <laughs> what do you mean by that? I wanted her to clarify. And she said, well, we simply won't be able to invite you if he's going to come. So there's going to be things that you just can't come to now. So you're going to be phased out. So after that, I fucking just stopped being her friend because she was trying to be Regina George or something in Mean Girls where she thought her life was a movie. It was just so rude to be like, you can't sit with us. You can't sit at our table. You're naturally going to be phased out of the group. I mean, this girl, she's a dickhead. So Kevin, now we'll be getting into the story of Kevin. So Kevin and I met at Marquee, but he was different. He was a promoter and we became friends because I took him under my wing. I showed him the ropes and I befriended him and our friendship progressed really Really quickly when he confided in me some really personal information. So I was the first person he came out to as gay. And it was such a big thing for him. It was so deeply personal that we both cried. I mean, I was so happy for him and so supportive that I just had these tears of like love for him. And we became best friends after that. So it was a very big milestone in our friendship. So now I'm going to get into the gem of his story. So I used to crash at Kevin's apartment in the city all the time after we went out at Marquee. He had this apartment in the city. It was in Wynyard and his parents bought it for him because his family home was out in Dural and he went to school at UTS. And so that's just what rich parents do, I guess. <laughs> but the turning point in our friendship was when one night I decided to crash at his and it was actually pre-planned. And so I messaged him. I said, is it cool that I park in your apartment complex instead of the casino? And he's like, yeah, sounds good. So when I arrived at the parking garage, I messaged him. He came downstairs and jumped in the passenger seat. So this is where the story takes off. So he clicks on this little button, right? And the roller door of the garage goes up. And so I drive in and I ask him, like, where do I go? Where do I go? Um, you know, I've never been in this car park before. It's really unfamiliar. So he's telling me where to go. We start driving down this ramp. OK, and I'm driving down this ramp and he's like, OK, at the end of the ramp, you need to turn left. And then I go to turn left and he's like, no, sorry, I meant right. And so as I was turning left, I almost hit like this brick wall and I was like, oh my God, you're such an idiot. <laughs> and so then I'm like, it's cool, it's cool. So I was on the ramp, right? And I'm just reversing up this ramp. And then all of a sudden, this loud bang just comes out of nowhere and we're both freaking out. We're like, what the fuck was that? I get out of the car and there was a boom gate and it was broken, like snapped in half. And I checked the roof of my car and it was fucking fine. I was like, where did this come from? And he's like, yeah, well, you know, when I click that button, every level has a boom gate and so they automatically go up and I was like that's bullshit I didn't even see it he's like it's fine it's fine it's fine so then what happens is that his parents got a tax invoice to fix the boom gate from the strata and he sent it to me and I was like that is such a joke the boom gate should have stayed up because my car technically didn't leave the ramp so my little lawyer mind was ticking away and he's like yeah Katie I totally agree 
it should have stayed up. There should have been a sensor on that ramp, Katie. I said, I know. I'm like, is it cool that I just kind of dispute this and write a letter to Strata? And he's like, 100%, go for it. You have my full support. So I wrote the letter and I sent him a copy and he approved it. And then I sent it to Strata. He gave me the email address from the tax invoice. So I sent it to Strata. I got a response back from them and they said, hey, cool. Thanks for your letter. We're going to be reviewing it at our next Strata meeting. And then I sent... Uh, Kevin, the response from them. So he was kept in the loop. And then a few weeks went by and then all of a sudden I got this big text message from Kevin. It was such a long message that you actually had to click into it and it opened up your notes. Yeah. I don't know if you've gotten these messages before. I think I've only gotten them once or twice in my whole life, but it opened up into notes and it was this massive essay about how I'm pretty much a very shit person. Now, I don't remember the message verbatim, but basically what he said He started off the message saying, my parents got another tax invoice and they're pissed and they're really upset about how you've put them in this position and that now I have to pay for the boom gate and I actually have to cut off you as a friend and you have very poor character. You're not a good friend to me and I don't want to be your friend anymore. So it came out of nowhere and I instantly responded and I said, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that this was causing problems in the family. Like I wish you told me because up until this point, I thought he was on board. I didn't really know his parents weren't on board. I mean, I guess I never really asked him if his parents were okay with it, but he said he was fine with it. And so basically he just ended our friendship just in that one message, told me everything in one hit. And it was so unexpected and it was very devastating that he pretty much threw away our friendship because his parents told him to. And I mean, maybe it has to do with money. Maybe he didn't want to be cut off. I don't know. Rich people are weird. And this is what I mean by saying there was a lack of communication. There was a lack of communication from uh, Kevin. There was a lack of communication from Bay Run Girl. And there's a lack of communication from Beverly. And so with these friendships ending and people not wanting to communicate and reconcile and they just want to walk out of your life, these people showed me what type of friends they were and how much they valued our friendship, which was pretty much next to nothing. So I learned a really hard lesson of investing too much into these people because when they left my life, I was fucking devastated. I was so upset that I just kept losing friends like this. And I think the lesson that I've now come to learn is that I incorrectly invested energy and effort into people that were just low quality. I mean, I was meeting them in hospitality and at bars and I didn't really know them for that long, but I had lifetime expectations with people. And this circles back to the start of my podcast where I made the point that toxic friends are not worth your time and you need to be more aware of what your friends are bringing to the table and stop making the mistake of investing huge efforts with people under this misconception of having them in your life for a lifetime. So the message for today's podcast is that friends come and go and it's okay. Um, But the lesson that I want to share from my personal experiences is to let these friends go and then don't allow them to come back after you've seen how fast they can drop you. You need to be very cautious with the friends that you choose to surround yourself with and you need to be very cautious on knowing your boundaries because you don't ever want to be submissive the way I was when I was friends with Beverly and you don't want to be treated horribly by people like Megan and Kevin and you don't want to deal with unnecessary drama from people like Bayron Girl. And the point of my podcast is to not encourage burning bridges. That's 
not the point at all. And the way I want to demonstrate that is to give you a recent example of something that happened to me. Now, I'm not going to get into the specifics and the details of this story because, I mean, I could just go on. And also, I don't really want to offend anyone in this story too because it kind of involves a few people. But basically, I have this friend and she's kind of hanging out with this older guy, basically. Another sugar daddy situation. We can just label it as that. And so I had an issue with him and I just don't want it to affect the friendship with her. So now the boundary that I've established is not hanging out with her while she's hanging out with him. And she knows where I stand. So we're totally fine now. But um, I feel like Katie a few years ago probably would have taken issue with her and would have started an argument over it. But I've just now stepped back seen what the real problem was, which is actually him. And I'm not going to destroy a friendship because I value her as a friend. So that just means no more boat parties for me. So the main message for this podcast today is twofold. When it comes to current friendships, if there's someone who's overstepping your boundaries or there's an, a certain situation that you feel is toxic, you just need to step back, reevaluate where you stand in the friendship and just accept that you just need to set up a boundary. And for those friends who walk out on us and leave the friendship, you need to let them walk out and you don't let them come back. We don't take people back on this podcast. We just let them go and they can deal with their own lives and their own drama. And there was this segment on Steve Harvey that I saw and it was called the wagon analogy. And this is what he said. So when you are success minded, you are pulling a wagon uphill constantly and you're pulling this heavy old ass wagon up on a rope, like on your back, your bare back, you're pulling up this wagon and you're the only one holding onto the rope because your wagon is pretty much your life. And so you're the only person responsible for getting that wagon up that hill, but you need people. And this brings me back to what I was talking about, how human connection is so fundamental and you need to be surrounded by good people. So when you're trying to push your wagon up your hill, you need help from like-minded people. And so you need to be careful with the people that you let on your wagon. You need to make sure that the people on your wagon are doing something valuable because you're going to meet people in your life that get on your wagon and have no value. They are on your wagon with their feet up while your like-minded people are there helping you moving fucking rocks under the wheel their foot is on the ground trying to like help you get this wagon up the hill they got their leg out trying to help you and then you've just got some people on your wagon not helping you they're not doing anything they're actually holding the wagon down and they're just there on your wagon riding it with their feet up and so what happens is that the people who were not helping are making this pull on your rope more difficult. And that's why you need to shed this weight. And if you don't, your climb will be agonizing. And I really like that analogy. So definitely look it up on YouTube. Steve Harvey, wagon analogy. He tells it a lot better than me. So it's all about surrounding yourself with the right people who are success-minded, who are like-minded and are there to uplift you, not to drag you down, not to be toxic for you. So it's all about energy. It's all about investing in the right people who are good for you. And you need to stop investing in people who disturb our peace. 
So that's it for today's episode. Thank you again for listening to this one. I hope you can take some of my experiences as lessons for yourself and know how to handle your friendship conflict a little bit better moving forward and just open your eyes. Open your eyes to assessing your value in a friendship. So thank you again and I'll see you on the next one. Bye.